Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon kind of ironic. I didn't realize it. I thought I told you I was going to read that uh, testimony. I was actually going to read it last week, and I forgot. I do that sometimes. But as I was reading it today, I realized, man, that testimony fits with what I'm about to share with you in this message. Because what's really going on in the passage that we're going to look at today is we're going to meet three disciples. We don't know what their names are. They are not the disciples who are, who are of the twelve, but there are three other individuals who are following Jesus at this time. And each of them wants to follow Jesus, but they want to follow Jesus on their own terms. They want to follow Jesus as they determine how much they should follow him. And so they're making up excuses. One of them makes up a really big excuse. They're making up reasons why, okay, Jesus, I want to follow you, but i got to do this first, or I can't do that. And that's the reality of where a lot of people are at. And let's be honest, that's where we're at, isn't it? If I went around here to all of you and I said, do you want to follow Jesus? Every one of you would say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. But i got to do this first. Or uh, on my terms. And we wouldn't necessarily say that out loud, but in our hearts, we say those kind of things. In fact, you might say things like this. I want to follow Jesus, but wait till the kids get older. Then I can really be committed to him. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't raise your hand. You know what I'm saying? I want to follow Jesus, but you know what? I want to enjoy life a little bit first. Then get that God thing under control. We make all kinds of excuses. And that's what we're going to see here today in this passage. And Jesus is going to interact with these three guys. And when he interacts with them, he's going to really tell them what commitment is. He's going to define commitment. In fact, that's what we're looking at here. Commitment defined. He's going to tell you what it means to follow him. So notice with me. Let's look at this passage together. It's just a few verses. Verse 57 through the end of the chapter, verse 62. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another said to him, then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, Let me first go and bury my father. Another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's look at these things together. We're going to see several different things here from this passage. First of all, we're going to see a sweeping promise. We're going to see one guy make a very sweeping statement that he's going to follow him. We're going to see a conditional promise. And then we're going to see a half-hearted promise. 
So let's look at these things together. Let's look at the first guy. The first guy, they're on their journey. Jesus, remember, is on his way to Jerusalem. Now he knows that he's going to die. So he's purposed to go to Jerusalem. He's resolved to go to Jerusalem because he knows the cross is waiting for him. So as he goes, there are the twelve. There's the twelve disciples who are with him. But there are others who are following Jesus as well. Some say there may be as many as seventy or more. So as they're going, one of these disciples who is nameless, we don't need to know what his name is because it really doesn't matter, one of these disciples makes a grand statement and he says, look with me at verse 57, he says this, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And that's a sweeping promise. It's like, Jesus, wherever you go, man, I'm there with you. You and I know what that is, what kind of statement that is. It's like you could make the statement, you're like, whatever happens to you, I got your back. You know what I'm talking about? That's the statement we say these days, isn't it? Our culture, I got your back on that one. This is what this guy is saying. So the first thing I want you to see is, is that he had his own assumptions about following Jesus. He had his own assumptions about following Jesus. Now, what do you mean by that, George? Well, let me help you to understand the culture of that day. There were many teachers in that day. There were many guys who would go around and they would do like Jesus did, and they would teach. Now, they were different than Jesus because Jesus goes around and also heals. But there were many teachers in that day, and they would gather a following. They would gather disciples. And what would be normally the course is, is wherever the teacher went, the disciples went with him. So this young man, or this man, whoever it is, who's making this sweeping promise about following Jesus, has his own assumptions, probably based upon what the culture is, of exactly what it means to follow Jesus. Well, that just means that I just need to... Just go wherever he goes, do whatever he says, and, and just watch everybody else think he's so great and know that I'm one of the guys with him. So he has his own assumptions about what it means to follow Jesus. Folks, that's so true to even today. Let me tell you what it means today to follow Jesus in the minds of our culture and in the minds of many Christians today. To, to talk about following Jesus today, here's the assumption that goes through a lot of our minds. Well, it means that I gotta have a Bible. I gotta go to church. I gotta go to church functions. And I gotta give. And for a lot of people, that's what we think following Jesus means. You might be here today, and that's what you think following Jesus means. And so, for you to say, well, I'll follow Jesus. You can make a sweeping statement like that because in your mind, you have in your mind what it means to follow Jesus. But I want you to notice something here. Jesus is going to make a statement that when we first read it, it's like, what in the world is he saying? Look with me at verse 58. Look at what he says. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Let me just stop for a moment help you understand the word Son of Man there is a messianic title. So he's again showing himself there to be who? The Messiah. 
But here's the point he's wanting to make here. The first thing is, is Jesus points out that rejection is a given. He's saying to this guy who has his own assumptions and says, Jesus, I'll go with you everywhere. Jesus is being very realistic to him and says, look, do you really understand what you're saying? Do you really understand the commitment that you are claiming to make here? Because the reality is, even the animals have a place to stay. The birds have nests to go to. The foxes have holes in which to live in. But me, the Messiah, I don't have anywhere. Because my life is one of rejection. And so if you're going to follow me, you need to understand that rejection is a given. That's it, folks. That's reality, isn't it? Think about this. Think about what we tell people. Oh, when you come to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. How many of you heard that before? When you come to Jesus, just come to Jesus. Just give your heart to Jesus, and he'll make everything right. Now, how many of you have heard this? Come to Jesus, and you're going to be rejected. That doesn't sell very much, does it? You can't convince anybody. Make your commitment to Jesus and everybody's not going to like you. But that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying to this, guys, understand what you are saying when you say that you're going to follow me. Because rejection is a given. Here's one other thing he says. A disciple will not have earthly security. When you think about a home, Okay, he's using the illustration of an animal or a bird. But how many of you, like foxes, how many of you know about fox hunting or have been fox hunting? How many of you know about fox hunting? Okay. The reality is is that they have a den that they go to. And when the dogs are chasing after them, the place you don't want the fox to go to is where? His den. Because his den to him is what? His security. If he gets there, like if you're rabbit hunting... The last thing you want to do is have the rabbit find where his hole is because you're wanting the rabbit so you can eat him later. Here's what's going on here. He's saying foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere. Do you realize when you say that you're going to follow me, it's not only that rejection is a given, you're not going to have earthly security here, folks. But isn't that what so many of us want? So many of us want earthly security. So many of us, we want the government to fix everything because we have this mindset that everything's supposed to go well. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I was talking to him about a tragic situation that they were a part of. And this young person is not a Christian, but she made a powerful statement to me. And I said, I'm sorry that you're going through this. And she said, oh, you don't need to be sorry. This is part of life. And I thought, wow. Here's someone who probably doesn't know Jesus. And they realize that difficulties and struggles are part of life. But when you talk to most Christians, we think everything's supposed to be wonderful and hunky-dory. And when something bad does happen, 
We're like, what did you do? Why'd you let that happen, God? Jesus is saying, look, when you decide to follow him, rejection is a given, but also understand, just like the birds have a place and they have security, and just like the foxes have a place and they have security, the reality is there is no security when you follow me. Not here, at least. There is later on, but not here. So we see the first interaction there. There's another interaction. We see it in verse 59 through 60. It's the second guy. This one is initiated by Jesus. Look, first of all, verse 59, the he here is Jesus. And he said to another, that's another disciple, follow me. So Jesus is issuing a call to somebody else. I mean, he just said what it's like to follow him. And he looks at another guy and he says, follow me. Make that commitment. And notice what the guy says. Look with me. Verse 59. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Here's a conditional promise. Let me explain something to you. The guys, just so you understand the culture of that day, this guy who's with Jesus at that time, the reality is, is probably his dad is not dead yet. Because you have to understand, in the Jewish culture, when someone dies, you bury him that day. So if somebody had died in his family, I can almost guarantee you he wouldn't be with Jesus. So the chances are is that dad might be sick and old and dying to some degree. And so it might take a few weeks. It might even take a few years for whoever it is, his father, to die. And so the point he's making here is, and this is what I want you to see, is he defined his conditions for following Jesus. This guy is saying, okay, I want to follow you, Jesus, but on my terms, on my conditions. And it just so happens, here's the good excuse that I have. Dad's dying. Don't know when it's going to happen. But when that's over with, whenever, however long that takes, then I'll follow you. You see the condition there? We make those same kind of conditions, don't we? Jesus, I'll get serious about you when this happens. And some of you right now, in your mind, you know what the this is. I'll get serious about you, Jesus, when... This happens when I get that promotion, when we get that house that we've been wanting, when the kids are in college, or when the kids are making big money and taking care of daddy. You know, I mean, when when all of this stuff happens, the reality is, he's making a condition. When I get over this, then I'll get serious. This is what's going on. But notice what Jesus says to him. Jesus says this. It sounds like a harsh statement. But let me help you understand what it says. Look with me in verse 60. But Jesus Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Ooh, oh, that really sounds heartless. It's like Jesus is saying he doesn't really care about this guy's dad. That's not the point at all. See, the issue isn't his dad. The issue is his commitment level. 
See, he wanted to be committed to Jesus on his terms. And here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus calls us to rearrange our priorities. Jesus calls us to rearrange our priorities. He's saying to this guy, you know what, let, our English translation says let the dead, but it really should be translated let the dying, meaning those who are spiritually dead. Let the, those who are spiritually dead bury the dead, but you serve me by preaching the kingdom. You serve me by committing your life and following after me. He's saying to the guy, look, your priorities are all messed up. You want me to be on the priority list, but I'm not at the top. I'm somewhere down. Right now it's your dad, but you're going to come up with another reason later why you can't follow me. And isn't that how it works? Right now it's, you know, I can't follow Jesus right now because of this, but you give it another week, there'll be something else to add to the plate. And Jesus is saying, look, let that take care of itself. You put me first. You put me first. So that's the second guy. I want you to notice now the third guy. Look with me at verse 61 to 62. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Here's what's going on here. It's a half-hearted promise. There's a third guy now, a third disciple. Jesus is not initiating the follow me statement. But this third guy, maybe he's heard what's going on with these other two. He says, Jesus, I'll follow you. So it's not a sweeping promise. I'll follow you, Jesus. But, he's got that big three-letter word in there, but, i got to go home and say goodbye to everybody. Here's what's going on. He couldn't let go of his old life. He couldn't let go. See, it helps you understand, in their culture, when you talk about a house, we're not talking about like a house that we live in. We're really talking about a complex where basically the whole center of your universe is there because mom and dad are probably there, grandma and grandpa are probably there, your brothers and their wives and everybody. And so in a Jewish home, there were many generations and everything centered around the home. It's an agrarian culture. So probably they were farmers, and so they went outside. Even if they lived in a city, they went outside and tended the vineyards and the olive groves and so forth. If they lived out in the fields, wherever. you know, So everything centered around their life. And so when he says, I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me go back and, and close things up at home first. Jesus is, what's happening with this guy is he can't let go of the old life. He can't let go of it. He's got a half-hearted commitment here, a half-hearted promise. He says, yeah, I know I need you, Jesus, but I, I need them too. I want to have them as well. I want my old life as well. But I want you to know how Jesus responds to him, and it's really really interesting statement here. Again, think of it from the agrarian culture, from an agricultural-based culture. Here's what he says. 
No one, verse 62, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. The interesting thing is, is I'm not a farmer. Never been a farmer. Never wanted to be a farmer. Worked on a Christmas tree farm. That's about as much farming as I want to do. All right? But for some of you, you understand you grew up on a farm and you understood when it was time to plow the field. When you plow a field, you look forward as you plow. Because if you keep looking back, what happens? You don't have a straight line. You keep going off to the side. And then Dad gets mad at you. What are you doing? That's the reality here. Why? Because you are distracted in the midst of your service, in the midst of the task that you're supposed to do. And Jesus said, when you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back, because if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. What's he saying here? He's saying, look, I understand you want to make a half-hearted commitment, but it's not fit for the kingdom. You either, when you make the commitment to follow me, you go full tilt following me. Because if you don't, you'll be distracted. And when you're distracted, you're not fit for following me. You see what he's saying? I mean, let's be honest. When we look back at all three of these things here, we look at the sweeping promise, and Jesus says that rejection is a given. You're not going to have any earthly security. When he looks at the other guy and he says, you need to rearrange your priorities and put me to the top. And when he says to this guy that, first of all, Jesus is calling us to a focused commitment. That's what's going on here. He calls us to a focused commitment. So he's saying to this guy, you've got to have a focused commitment. When you think about those three things, He's really serious. Jesus is really serious about people following him. And the reality is, is we, to be honest with you, even myself, when we look at that, it's like, I don't know that I like that. Because we like to be what? In control. And what he's calling me to is giving up control. And letting someone else be in control. And that's who, folks? Jesus. That's what commitment is defined in the Scripture. You know, in fact, what he's saying here, can I be honest with you? It's easy to give lip service to Jesus. But the reality of your faith in Jesus is not reflected in what you say. It's reflected in what you do. That's what he's saying. It's whether or not that commitment is expressed in how you live your life for Him. So you say, okay, George, how do we wrap this up? Well, I'm just going to give you two thoughts. 
One's a question and the other's a statement. As you think about these three guys, maybe you could identify with some of those guys. I know when I was looking at those guys, I, I could see myself in all three of them. But here's what I want you to ask yourself. How would you describe your commitment to Jesus? How would you describe it? Some of you, you made that commitment years ago. Some of you made that commitment before I was even born. Some of you have made that commitment here in the last few years. Some of you have made that recommitment. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do it. But how would you describe it? When you look at what these three guys are struggling with here, you've got the one guy who says, oh, I'll follow you anywhere. But he has no clue what he's saying. He's got his own assumptions about what that means. And the other guy is like, uh, yeah, but let me go take care of my dying dad. And the third guy's like, uh, I gotta say goodbye first. Where are you at in your commitment to Jesus? Where are you? Is it real? And here's the thing. Here's the wonderful thing about it. The wonderful thing about my question, it's not one that you can answer verbally. So it's not like I'm going to say, how many of you are committed Did you raise your hand? No, no, no. That doesn't work that way. It really works by what does your life show about that commitment? Is he who he says he is? Am I really going to follow him? Or, yeah, I want to follow him, but it's on my terms. But you already saw what Jesus said about that. You can't follow him on, on your terms. You have to follow him on his terms. We usually don't like that, do we? So how would you describe your commitment to Jesus? And then the final thing is, and here's what I would encourage you to do for all of us here, including myself. Embrace Jesus wholeheartedly. Embrace Jesus wholeheartedly. Embrace Him. Don't let your statement of commitment be frivolous. If you say you want to follow Him, mean it. Knowing that, yeah, there's going to be rejection. Knowing that, yeah, there isn't going to be earthly security. Knowing that it might mean that you've got to reprioritize your lives and put Him where He belongs. Knowing that, you've got to be focused in your service for Him. Embrace Him. And listen, folks, when you do that, here's the thing. We operate more by fear than we realize. So what do you mean, George? A lot of times we can sit here and we'll say, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, George. I mentally see what you're saying. But when it comes down to the rubber meets the road, what does that mean? And the big question mark comes up, and we're, sque we're scared of question marks, aren't we? Remember, what he calls us to is not something we need to be scared of. Because he's the one calling us to it. And he's the one who loves us.
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.